your Bibles to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5, we're going to begin in verse 6. So when you find your place there, would you stand in reverence to God's word? For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Dear Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for your word, God. You have given us such a great help to know you, to understand more about you. God, that is an ongoing education. God, we plead with you this morning to show us yourself through your word. God, help us to rightly understand who we are and who you are. And God, we want to give you all the honor and glory. Help us, dear Lord. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. James Montgomery Boyce, in his book, uh, foundations of the Christian faith starts off with in, in the portion talking about the love of God he starts off telling a story about when the famous uh, Swiss theologian Karl Barth came to America and there was a gentleman there that asked him a question he said Dr. Barth what is the greatest thought that has ever passed through your mind Dr. Barth stood there and thought about it and he said Jesus loves me this I know for the Bible tells me so. And if you really think about that, that is what we're here to do today. We are here <clears throat> we are here to see what the Bible says about the love of God and we have embarked on a journey to understand the attributes of God possibly more clearer and we have kind of camped out in the communicable attributes of God. Meaning the ones that God communicates to us. And to be honest with you, I've always thought ever since starting to kind of study the attributes of God and everything, I always thought that the love of God was, could possibly go in, in the other category. <laughs> because the love of God is something that, yes, He does communicate to us. And we'll find out that He even gives that to us. He pours it out, as we'll, we'll read in some, in some um, scriptures previous to what we just read. But to understand it rightly and to understand why he loves and how he loves and, and that he is love, it's hard for us to understand because we are so stained with sin and we, we have been so indoctrinated by by the world's view of love. That what we, what we start to do is we start to project our human understanding of love onto God. And when we project that onto God, we, we miss the love of God altogether. Because the projection of, of human love is uncertain. 
And that's what I want to try to, before we jump off in this, and, and I want to kind of hit the reset button in your mind on love. Because the, to understand that, like I said, we've got to get away from the world's understanding of love, society's understanding of love, and because they use phrases like, you know, will you love me if this happens? Will you love me if that happens? Falling out of love. Those type things. And when we project those things onto God, we've missed it greatly. Because as Chris read, his love is described as steadfast, as resolute, unchanging. That's the love of God. Man's, view, man's understanding of love is uncertain, it's shallow. It is tossed to and fro by every understanding or every situation. It is very much contingent upon circumstances. That's man's view of love. But what we're here today to understand is God's view of love. And the fact that God is love. So, when we get down to... Romans chapter 5 verse 8. We're going to start in 8, but we'll, we'll kind of back up and, and look at some other verses there. But it starts off with, in verse 8 with, But God shows His love for us. To understand the but there, let's back up. Paul starts off with, For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps a good person, one will dare to even die. Okay, so in verse 7, we see that uncertainty. We see words like scarcely, perhaps. That, that's uncertainty. It's that man may die for one individual. We, we hear of, of those who give their lives for others. It's contingent upon circumstances. But in verse 8, it starts off with, but God. Meaning, God does it different. But God's love is different. But God's love is not uncertain. God shows His love. We see ownership there. We're going to talk about the showing of God's love in a little bit. But... We see ownership there. As I said earlier, His love is steadfast. His love is everlasting. That's something hard for us to understand. His love is everlasting. His love is steadfast, meaning no matter the circumstances. When you hear a lot in the Old Testament talk about the love of God, very often you will hear it described as steadfast love. Steadfast love, meaning no matter what happens through redemptive history, God's love is certain. God's love is certain and will always be certain. That's the love that we come to worship today. That's the love that we experience as believers. His love, His love is also uninfluenced. 
His love, meaning His love is sovereign. It's not influenced by you or me, whether we're good or bad. His love is certain. His love is uninfluenced. If it was influenced, then His love would not be sovereign. So therein there would be a portion of God that would not be sovereign. And we know that not to be true. So it is uninfluenced. Like I said, this is His love and His love alone. And as believers, we are very much fortunate that He pours that love out on us. So, I think to rightly understand, uh, Jared kind of alluded to this, to rightly understand the love of God, as I was kind of thinking, what, what scriptures really teach the love of God? I thought, you know, what Psalms try to describe it? Even in, in the Psalms, we, we see that, that words like steadfast, faithful, faithfulness, everlasting, all those things. But where does God demonstrate and, and really show us His love? It has to be the cross. It has to be the cross there. That, that's where the love of God was demonstrated. And that's what we're going to look at today. That's, that's why we, I looked at this text. Was because it points us to the cross. So, but God shows His love for us. His love for us. Now, I'm going to start off with that for us is not because we are so lovable so who 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 are who who is us <laughs> who are us there you go um who who are we you can say well we we are his creation we are a part of his creation we are one of the ones in in his creation the only one not one of the only one in creation that he made in his image. So we are image bearers. Out of all of creation. If there was anybody that God should love. It should be us. Right? I mean we're made in his image. We are the ones that he put here to tend the garden. We are the ones that he put here to manage things. So if there is anything in creation that he loves. It should be us. Why wouldn't God love us? Let's understand a little bit more about who us is. If we read on, he says, For his love for us in that while we were still sinners. While we were still sinners. We, we see a, a, a state there described. We see us described as a state there that we are in a state of sin. Okay? That image bearer, that creation, that one went directly against the Word of God. We are the ones that sent all of creation downward. We are the ones that were placed in a holy sanctuary and we chose to serve ourselves rather than the one that put us there. In a, in a later text in this chapter, we'll see that we are enemies of His. Enemies. 
Think of, the, think of the, uh, how we would describe enemies. There's hatred with enemies, right? When, when, there's, when there's enemies in war, when there's enemies in things, there's hatred there. We were enemies of His. We hated God. Why do we hate God? You say, well, I've never hated God. I've never really thought that, that negatively toward God. Because you were in a state where you served yourself rather than Him. You would rather worship yourself rather than Him. You would rather please yourself rather than Him. It is a state of idolatry. That's who we were. We said, God, you're not good enough. I can do it better. I can manage this. I can be equal or better than you. That's, that, was the, that was the lie in the garden, right? You can be like God and know this. Think about how much that we try to serve ourselves. Especially pre-salvation. Pre-salvation, we have no other God but ourselves. You say, well, there's plenty of other religions. There's plenty. No, people are serving other gods, other religions, because it best serves them. Or they think it does. We here, the us, we were vile. We were depraved. That's us, okay? So to rightly understand the love of God, we have to understand us. Because in the text it says, He loved us, right? He showed us the, His love for us, okay? So we have to rightly understand who, who we are in that sinful state. That's who we are. Our minds are ever on ourselves. And you say, well, well God saved us from that, from, from us worshiping ourselves just to worship Him. Seems self-serving. No, what we don't understand is that we can't save ourselves. He saves us from His wrath. From His wrath on our sin. So we, in this, while we were still sinners, this is not a point of which we have gotten better. There is, this is not a point of which we have, we have started to grow in love for the Lord. No, we are still just as hateful towards Him as we ever have been. But, He demonstrates His love. He shows His love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The death of Christ on the cross is a demonstration of God's love. And I think if we just simply just say, well, He endured the, the, the beatings on the cross and, and that was Him showing His love. I think we've, we've, we've only gotten a portion Who is on the cross? The Son of God. 
God Himself is on the cross. He didn't send any, anybody else to do His... He didn't send another creation, another person that was created, another created being in order to, in order to do this. You look at the sacrificial system and, and there was many animal after animal after animal that was sacrificed and it continued on. Why? Because they were never sufficient. The only sufficient sacrifice, the only one that could make us right. Who are we being made right? Is it for our, just so that we'll be right? No. It's making peace between us and God. The only one would be Jesus. The one that would give his blood for us. So that's who is on the cross. Why did it have to be him? Because like I said, everything else was insufficient. The holiness of the Lord was on the cross. The, the pureness of the Lord was on the cross. What did it do? It allows us to be justified in the eyes of God. That's what Paul's, in this, this text, that's what Paul's talking about, is justification through faith. Is, it, is allow, it allows us to be right with God, have peace with Him. Why for us? Is it because, again, is it because we, we're just so good? Is it because we're, it's because His love for us when we didn't love Him? His love is behind creation. His love is behind all these things. All these things that He has done. His love is behind it. And then He pours His love out to us. In your Sunday night um, studies, you will see in, in 1 John, talking about how that, that there is a definite distinction between love and not having love. The believer understands love the believer has the love of God poured out into them the believer has that the believer gets to experience that so I'll say this just as a, a small form of application right now who else to better show the love of God than the one who has experienced it we can't look to the world to show us love they know not of it only the believer can show the love of God. The love of God that allows us to love people that are unlovable. To allow us to, to love when it's not in our best interest to love. When Jesus is standing before those that, are, that have nailed Him to a cross and killing Him, He says, Father, forgive them. That kind of love. So why for us? Christ died for us. We have the privilege of enjoying the love of God. It's a privilege. For the believer, Edward Fisher in his book, Marrow of Modern Divinity, explains it like this. The case is alike between God and the elect. His love to their persons is from everlasting the same. Nor doth their sinful, sinfulness lessen it. Nor their sancti 
sanctity increase it. Because God is loving their persons. Never consider them otherwise than a most whole, and then as most holy, perfectly, and unblameable in, in Christ. That's what he has afforded you on the cross. That's what he offers on the cross. It's for you to be blameless before the Father. Why is that, why is that important? Why, why, why is that so, such a big issue to be blameless before God? Because eternity is in the balance. We can enjoy the here and now all we want. And we can think that we're making progress here. Eternity is a lot longer than our time here. Scripture would, would describe our lives as but a vapor. Here today, gone tomorrow. Now, in the, in the grand scheme of things, when we put things all in perspective, where should our minds be set on? Should be set on eternity, right? Eternity exists for the non-believer and for the believer. This is not a everybody goes to heaven statement. The punishment on sin against a holy God is forever happening. Will never cease. Will forever and always be. That's the eternity that's there. The eternity that's there for the believer is the one where we get to experience the holiness and the gloriness of God. We get to experience His glory forever and ever. We get to experience life without the influence of sin, without disease, turmoil, pride, greed, jealousy, all those things. That's what we get to experience. That's what we long for as believers. I ask you today, do you long for that? Because in longing for that, it dictates how we act here. Because when we rightly understand that, we put everything in perspective. We worship the, the, the Lord more fully. We get to stand and worship Him for all eternity. The one that has died for us. The one that has poured His love out on us. So this morning, when we think about the love of God, we have to think that God did not have to create the world, the universe. He did not have to do that. There was perfect love inside the Godhead. 100% contentment. But God chose to create us. He chose not only to create us, but He also chose to redeem us. He chose to redeem us by sending Jesus. Sending Jesus to do what we could not. Sending Jesus to experience something that was meant for us. He did that. 
He created all of creation that we enjoy. We're not worshiping creation here, but we do enjoy creation. It is remarkable. We see God's goodness and God's just His, His power displayed in all of creation. We get to experience that. But then we get to experience creation without the stain of sin. And that is only because He loved us first. We didn't love Him, He loved us. So when we understand the love of God, there are a lot of things that, that His faithfulness is even hard for us to understand. Because the totality of His faithfulness, we, we can't even comprehend the fact that He's faithful even when we are not. He does that without us even knowing it. His steadfastness happens even when we are not seeking Him. We experience that. It is everlasting as we talked about. So we can talk about all these things about the love of God. But whenever you want to understand more about the love of God, I want you to point you to Jesus. As Barth said, Jesus loves me. How do I know Jesus loves me? For the Bible tells me so. That is where we find the love of God. That is where we find who God is. So if you want to know more about who He is, you have to study His Word. He's given us that. Love His Word. This morning we have the opportunity to partake in the Lord's Supper. And the reason I call it an opportunity is because that opportunity is afforded to us because God loved us first. And we are remembering how He loved us. We are remembering this because He has given His blood, He has given His body for us. I hope this morning that we take the Lord's Supper in much gratitude, in much humility, because we we didn't win this love. It was given. It was given freely. So take the Lord's Supper this morning with all its sincerity. With all gratitude and humility. That you get to experience life everlasting. Because He first loved you. Let's pray. Dear Father, we, we thank You for today. Because today is a day that we get to read your word, we get to study your word, and we get to talk about your love. Father, your love was displayed for us on the cross. No one else did that for you, you did that for us. Dear God, I pray that you forgive us. For where we give in to our nature. Where we give in to our sin-stained minds. Dear God, I pray that you help us to love the way that you love. Steadfast. 
uninfluenced. Certain God. God, in order to do that, we need your help. Father, we, we thank you for the Holy Spirit. We thank you for how he teaches us through your word. God, we thank you today for Jesus. As we remember what he has done through the partaking of your table. God, we just want to say we love you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.